Welcome to Medical Minefield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Ethan Ennels and I'm a health journalist, which means I spend my life asking tough questions to top experts so you don't have to. This week we're asking, why is so little done to support older men with bladder problems? As always, we'd love to hear from you. If you have a question or a comment, tweet us at MedMinefield. It's an issue that many of us struggle to talk about openly. But the fact is, every day, tens of thousands of men in this country suffer with incontinence, or as many of us know it, bladder problems. Now, a lot is said about this issue for women. There are plenty of ads on TV, and in recent years, there's been some very well-publicised policy changes at the political level. There was the famous tampon tax in 2021, and just this week the government announced it was abolishing the tax on period pants. And this was met with a lot of positivity from campaigners. But at the same time, you hear very little about these issues when they affect men. Why is that? Well, this week, our star reporter, Pat Hagen, has been writing about this issue and a campaign to increase the support offered to men suffering from incontinence. Pat, thank you for joining us. Okay. Pat, this is an issue that we often talk about in quite general terms, I think perhaps out of embarrassment, but there are some very real stories of how this affects men on a daily basis. And I understand that you spoke to a few men who suffer from these issues this week. Yes, you're right. I mean, amongst men, urinary incontinence is not a serious subject. It's something to joke about, perhaps. Whereas amongst women, it's taken very seriously. It gets a lot of public attention and they address it in a much more grown-up way than, than we do, frankly. But it is a big problem. And the statistics show that around one in three men over 65 will have some degree of urinary incontinence. And that's mostly due to ageing, possibly underlying health conditions. But there's another cohort of men who suffer really severe, debilitating, life-changing urinary incontinence, often due to the fact that they've undergone major surgery for prostate cancer. Now, prostate cancer surgery is highly effective and it's life-saving, but it does have some drawbacks. Perhaps the one we know best is erectile dysfunction, but um, it also leaves many men Uh, incontinent. Not permanently, but it can take months or even years for them to recover their full continence. And the reason that happens is that in order to get to the tumour in the prostate, it very often means removing or damaging accidentally nerves that control the bladder. So men who have this, they don't just have the occasional embarrassing leak. They have a 24-hour round-the-clock problem. It's like an Open tap is how some of them have described it to me, uh, where it's uncontrollable. So we have had letters from numerous readers, men in their 50s, 60s and 70s, who have, in most cases, undergone prostate cancer surgery. And they're really struggling with the incontinence. But on top of that, there's another issue. So as if the incontinence itself wasn't bad enough, they're having to cope with being out and about and living a normal social life and coping with this problem. That means, unfortunately and embarrassingly for many, wearing incontinence pads every day 
and every night. And in some cases, these may have to be changed every two to three hours. Now, that's okay, that's fine, but unlike women who have, uh, under legislation, they have access to proper sanitary bins in the workplace and in public places for the disposal of sanitary products, there's no such provision for men. So if a man goes out for the day and has really severe urinary incontinence, the pads get wet, heavy and uncomfortable, Okay, let's say he goes into a public toilet and changes it. There's nowhere to dispose of it. You can't flush these things down the toilet. You can't hygienically throw them into uh, a normal rubbish bin. And this means that a lot of men end up carrying these things around during the day until they can find a suitable way to dispose of them. Some readers even told us that they have to rely on their female partners to take the the used pad into the ladies' toilet and get rid of it there because there's nowhere for them to do it. And and that's quite a crucial point, actually, because there are provisions that mean that these sanitary bins have to be in female toilets, right? Yeah, under the Workplace Health, Safety and Welfare Regulations Act 1992, I think, employers have a duty to ensure that women's cubicles have access to a sanitary bin. And this isn't just a a bin in the corner, it's one with a usually pedal operated, it's kind of a properly closed top. You can't necessarily see what's inside, so it disappears inside and it's kind of locked and then it's collected separately to the ordinary rubbish. So the whole thing is sort of hygienically wrapped up for them. But the Act specifically has wording detailing the the need to provide these in women's cubicles, but it, it doesn't even mention men. Why do you think that is? I think at the time that it was drawn up, perhaps male urinary incontinence just wasn't on the agenda at all, even less so than it is now. Things have probably changed. That act was drawn up 30 years ago. Population is ageing. Men are living longer, but they're living longer with perhaps chronic health issues that might mean they're more likely to have urinary incontinence. Prostate cancer surgery is much more common than it would have been 30 years ago. And so I guess at the time, they didn't think they needed to include men in it. But I'm sure there were plenty of men at the time who had these problems. There are probably some people involved in writing up the legislation who had these problems. Absolutely, but it wouldn't have been an issue for discussion. It wasn't probably seen as a health condition or something that needed addressing necessarily. I imagine it was considered as part of ageing and the kind of thing that men particularly just don't talk about not even to their partners. But I understand that there are some MPs who are now trying to change this. Yeah, there's a, a push now for, certainly for employers to be legally forced to provide these sanitary bins for male staff. And a group of MPs have now written to the health minister calling on central funding or the policy to be driven by Westminster, basically, to incorporate this into the law. So they're saying that it's not enough to just issue guidance which might be ignored or to lobby employers and public places to do this. It's probably best if it's enshrined in law. Now, there are some companies that are making headway. They're seizing the initiative and they're doing this themselves But they are small pockets of positivity, if you like, and the bulk of the country still doesn't have 
this provision for men. I think there might be a lot of people listening to this who would think, gosh, it's quite a graphic, quite a kind of uncomfortable topic. I mean, on this podcast, we talk about a lot of health problems, whether it's cancer or dementia or the issues which as a population we, we do struggle to talk about. But this one is particularly tough. Do you think there is a real need to be more open about it, to talk about it more, to normalise it? Definitely. And this isn't the kind of thing that you talk about in the pub on a Friday night with your friends or when you're playing a round of golf. But it it needs to be because some of the examples that we heard from readers were quite extreme. So, um, you know, this means that some men don't leave the house. They're too embarrassed, ashamed and uncomfortable to go out because they can't plan their route. They cannot plan their access to public toilets for a start, even if they can They can't plan how they're going to dispose of one, two, three used pads, which they're unsightly. uh, And when they're used, they're even more unsightly and it's embarrassing trying to get rid of them. So I think it's something that men need to be a bit more open about. And employers and public places such as restaurants and cafes and pubs probably need to take what is quite a simple step, really, just putting in place a few proper sanitary bins in their toilets. And I understand that you have a man on the line who has suffered these issues himself. Yes, this is Jonathan Hall. Jonathan is a father of two from Petersfield in Hampshire and he had a prostate cancer diagnosis in 2020, which unfortunately left him with urinary incontinence. So Jonathan, just tell us what impact the prostate cancer surgery had on your life in terms of the urinary incontinence? It was uh, one of the unfortunate side effects of the operation I had uh, was that my bladder was disconnected, reconnected, and as a result of which, I had to retrain myself how to use it. Unfortunately, my surgery wasn't successful. I had to have radiotherapy, which stepped me back a bit. But what it means is that when I'm anywhere I go, everywhere I go, I have to make sure I carry uh, incontinence pads with me in case I get caught short and uh, I have to change one over. And that's where the problem lies because you have to start thinking about, well, when I go somewhere, what do I do with the used pad once I've changed it over? How do I dispose of it um, safely and hygienically? It is a problem. And what is your strategy for doing that? Uh, the first time it happened to me, I was caught in a car park in, in my hometown and uh, I went into the loo and the pads come in a sort of a black plastic wrapper. So I, I used the wrapper from the new one to put the old one in. By that time, of course, it's bigger because it's full of liquid. And then I, to dispose, I had to walk out into the car park and find a, a bin to put it in, which which is, it can, it can be embarrassing. I know people would just wouldn't even countenance the thought of even doing that. But it was needs must and uh, I did it. But there must be a better way for, to do it. And do you routinely now carry... Plastic bags with you in yeah. case you need to change. Absolutely, I'm, I'm carrying them with me now. It's, it's you never know. So, how often, uh, how many times a day would you need to change your pad? I'm at the light end of it, so probably once. Okay, and what about at night? It depends what's happening. Last night, I was funny enough, I was at uh, an award ceremony about my prostate cancer, and uh, when you drink, your bladder control gets a little bit uh, suspect. And so, I, I think I, ch- I think I must have changed two pads last night. But overnight, normally, I don't use one at all when I'm sleeping. And tell us about some of the men that you've uh, encountered or the stories from other other men caught in the same position because uh, you say that for you it's quite light but actually for many men yeah. it's, a, it's a real problem, isn't it, where they need to change their pads several times a day. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I met a guy, um, I did a podcast with him with uh, Prostate Cancer UK in the summer. And when he had his uh, prostatectomy, he, he wouldn't go out of the house for about three years because just the, the embarrassment from his perspective of walking into a bar, restaurant, club, anywhere and asking if there was somewhere he could uh, dispose of uh, his pad was just too much to countenance. And that's in the, the, the threat of it leaking and so on. He thought the best thing to do was just stay in house. So you become imprisoned by this thing, but you, you don't have to be. So that's the issue, isn't it? I mean, this isn't just about a slight level of discomfort. So for some men, this is leading to social isolation, which could potentially affect their psychological well-being. Oh, absolutely. You sort of lose your own credibility because you're doing something which you left behind when you were a baby and the thought of actually having to go somewhere and do it, it becomes such an embarrassing, crippling thought that you just you don't even countenance the thought and go out and do it. So you do become isolated and your sense of uh, well-being, I think, is very badly affected by it. Now, you, I believe, work in, in advertising, is that correct? That's correct, yes. So, with your sales hat on, how would you <laughs> get other men to open up and talk about this? What would be your sales pitch for getting the, your friends down the pub to talk about male urinary incontinence? Well, my, my journey is prostate cancer does deliver some unexpected issues. And I've always said this, it's incontinence, infertility and impotence. And the fact your penis shrinks is uh, all those together are just a, a crushingly embarrassing and men would not want to even come to the thought of discussing it because of that. It has to be discussed. It has to be open. But how does one do it? And I think the... The way I'm looking at it is I'm working with Prostate Cancer UK on a thing called Bins for Boys, which is getting sanitary bins in all public toilets. That allows men, in a way, to have a conversation about something which doesn't necessarily admit to the fact that they're, they're suffering from it, but it's something that should should happen. So if you can get men to talk about that, there's so much the better, because it's not an admission of weakness to have this condition. It is a position of strength that you make the most of it so it doesn't affect your life and you refuse to let it affect your life. It's getting that message across to make sure that people do understand that. Jonathan, that's great. Thank you very much. It's quite right. I feel like Jonathan is such a good spokesperson for this issue because he's not embarrassed to talk about it and he has a real commendable level of confidence. But he's probably in the minority on this issue, right? I mean, most men who suffer with these problems don't have that level of confidence talking about it. No, for most men, this is something to shy away from, not walk towards, because as we've discussed, this isn't just uh, mild discomfort. For some cases, this is actually affecting the quality of life, mentally and physically, for a lot of men. And also, we, we talked a lot about prostate cancer, but it, it's not just prostate cancer. If you have an enlarged prostate, this can lead to urinary problems. And I think if you have prostate cancer surgery, all your friends will know you've had that surgery they will kind of understand that there are symptoms which come from it. But if you have a kind of lesser known or less visible condition, it might be even more embarrassing. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's called benign prostatic hyperplasia, so it's no wonder nobody knows about it. But it is basically an enlarged prostate which affects an awful lot of men simply through the ageing process. So once you get to above 50 or 60, there's a very good chance that you're prostate will have naturally swollen it would be pressing on the uh, urethra and it will be making continence difficult and some men do have leakage that way but that's a difficult subject to bring up you're right with a cancer diagnosis people hear about it and they sympathize with you and they're more likely to understand that there are long-term problems but swollen prostate is a much bigger problem affecting a lot more men so it's an even bigger issue than simply cancer related I guess that's why it's understandable that charities like Prostate Cancer UK have decided the best way to deal with this is 
create conditions where men can deal with these problems subtly, such as in toilet cubicles? Yeah, this is uh, one way of bringing it to public attention. And it's a very proactive way. And actually, if they pull it off, then it's doing something really beneficial as well. So it's two birds at one stone, really, in this context. They're, they're, they're raising the issue of sanitation for men, but they're also raising the subject of urinary incontinence, whether it's cancer-related or otherwise. And that's that's got to be a good thing. And joining us now is Chiara Dubiase, Director of Support and Influencing at Prostate Cancer UK. Chiara, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Hi. Bladder problems is an issue, I think, as a nation we, we do struggle to talk about. So maybe the best place to start is just how widespread is this issue amongst men? Yeah, I mean, incontinence affects hundreds of thousands of men in the UK. And of course, many of whom are living with or after having treatment for prostate cancer. We also think, you know, outside of prostate cancer, that over the age of 65, one in three men have some form of urinary incontinence in the UK. So this is a huge issue anyway, but very specifically in prostate cancer, even more so. Why do you think this is an issue we struggle to talk about? This is always going to be a taboo subject. I think perhaps despite this being sort of considered a perhaps a women's issue or people being more comfortable talking about it as a women's issue, Like we've said, you know, there are hundreds of thousands of men that are experiencing this every day. Uh, And it's it's very much a taboo subject. It's surrounded with shame. It's surrounded with secrecy. We know that men's health is already a bit of a minefield. And when you throw something in like this that perhaps affects somebody's dignity or their ability to go to work, their ability uh, to go out, their ability to socialise, that unfortunately makes men very introverted and and, and stay inside and limit their social contact, which is really upsetting uh, for them to have to do and has a huge impact on their life. Do you think the ability of women to talk about these issues more openly has, has led to more provisions for women with incontinence? Oh, definitely. I think personally, I wouldn't think twice about going to a public toilet. I'd make an assumption that there'd be provision for me. And perhaps that's where some of that shame and secrecy comes from, because men simply don't have any way to dispose of their sanitary products, you know, their their incontinence pads. I spoke to a gentleman at an event that we held in Parliament a few weeks ago, who explained to me that him and his wife had developed this system where he'd go to the toilet He'd change his pad that he used for his urine incontinence. He'd stuff it up his sleeve. He'd then leave the toilet, hand it to his wife, who would then go and dispose of it in the ladies' toilets. This is not okay. We've also heard that men are having to use disabled toilets and, again, a huge amount of shame that comes with having to use a provision that's not really for them, but they need to use it in order to be able to dispose of their products with dignity. So... This is a national issue. It's bigger than prostate cancer. And it just seems something that is so simple to fix. But bringing about laws that would ensure the provision of of sanitary bins in men's public toilets just seems such a quick win, such a simple thing for us to do that would have, well, certainly the half a million men in the UK living with or after prostate cancer, a huge impact on them. I think that's what struck me the most when I read Pat's brilliant piece on this topic is mm. how simple this change is. You know, people aren't asking for the moon. They're, they're asking for a very simple thing, which is a bin in toilets. Yeah. And what we found is actually when we draw attention to the issue, people are very, very willing to help. It's almost one of those things that, you know, why didn't we think of this before? We, the, the campaign that we've done with lots of different charities, we've now reached 85 percent of MPs across all four nations encouraging our supporters to write to their MP about the issue, telling them that boys need bins. 
We've joined a number of charities, Bladder Health UK, British Toilet Association, Tackle, uh, and we're also working with some corporate partners who are very kindly providing the bins. But like you say, it's a very, very simple thing for us to do. And when you think that eight out of 10 of the men that we surveyed with incontinence are anxious to leave their home, this has a much bigger social impact than just not being able to dispose of sanitary products. You know, this has a, a massive psychological burden on men that are already really struggling with their health. Have the MPs you've spoken to been receptive as well? Incredibly receptive. They've been fantastic, you know. And I think once once one council, you know, working with county councils to try and get bins into public toilets, we're finding it's a bit of a domino effect, but there's still a huge amount of work to be done. We realise that money is tight, but this is such a simple point of equity. You know, men should be able to go to the toilet and be able to have access to the services that they need in a way that, you know, women would. We, women would be up in arms if they weren't able to dispose of their sanitary products. And we just don't get that big wave of support around men's health that we desperately need. And like, like you know, like we've said, that this report is called Dispose with Dignity that we've done with the PHS group, because it's exactly that. Men shouldn't have to second guess whether they can go to the shops or they could go to the supermarket where they go to a football match for fear of not being able to throw something away it just seems it's such a silly thing for us to be worrying about that's such a simple fix so we are still calling on all our mps and really encourage anybody listening to write to their mp about this and tell them that boys need bins wherever you live across the uk and make sure we can get that provision in place as quickly as possible Kiara Dibiase, thank you so much for joining us thank you for having me I have to be honest, I think before we began this podcast, I was a bit nervous about doing it as a topic because I wondered, is it too graphic? Is it just too much to talk about in podcast format? But having listened to Jonathan and Kiara both speak so eloquently and movingly on this topic, I'm really convinced that this is such an important issue that we really need to get a handle on. It was great also to hear Kiara mention that women would be up in arms over this issue, whereas men are more inclined to just be quiet about it, stay silent and not draw the embarrassment. And that absolutely has to change if things to improve. That's all for this week on Medical Minefield. You can read all about this and all the leading health news in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday, which you can consume in newspaper format on the Mail Plus app or mailplus.co.uk. We'll be back with another episode next week. See you then. Goodbye.